0: Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Chuck Christian, VP of Technology and Engagement with the Indiana Health Information Exchange. In this segment, Christian talks about why care navigators will play a more critical role going forward, what he believes is the biggest misconception when it comes to interoperability, and why, all things considered, he's optimistic about the future. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada. The healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at improvada.com.
1: With the automation that we've been able to put in place over the last seven or eight, nine years, uh, we've created you know quite a bit of siloed information that uh, is very important for that uh, continuum of care that the patient uh, should be getting. And who's going to have the responsibility of pulling that all together, even if the data is available in in a fashion that makes sense? And if you have an oncology event, uh, you know, hopefully not, but those care navigators that are in some of the uh, oncology units and stuff are just absolute wonderful resources because they help navigate uh, the whole thing. And so. I'm not so sure that, particularly for our chronic patients and people that have, a, you know, several comorbidities that require a higher level of coordination, uh, that we're not going to see, you know, some level of uh, that, you know, care coordinator that care navigator. I mean, I think that's one of the things that, in in one of the incentive programs for the primary care physicians that CMS was, you know, kind of hoping to get. I I believe. I I don't know for sure is where the the patient, they would get a a bump in their reimbursement if they followed uh, up on the patient after discharge. Uh, And so that's, um, uh, I think, going to be really important for the future.
2: Right. And when when you hear people talk about whether or not it's realistic or would even be helpful to try to incentivize interoperability, do you think that's something where we're just not there yet as far as the the steps that need to be in place first? Or is that a possibility.
1: Well, I mean, I think that we need to have some conversation about it. One of the things that, that you know, kind of uh, gets my goat a little bit is that when people think interoperability is free, it's right. not. Right. Uh, even though the EHR vendors uh, are not charging for, you know, commonwealth care quality and those type of things, there is a cost associated with it. but. Because they have the opportunity to bundle those that cost in with something else, it can appear to, to cost nothing. But you know, I can tell you, I know how much it costs to run a uh, health information exchange like the one we have. It's not an exorbitant amount of money in comparison to some of the healthcare organizations, uh, but it's more than you would think because there are you know, it's a fixed cost. Uh, Business that there is a significant amount of cost and overhead uh, that has to take place in order to uh, store the data, to house the data, and I had the privilege of managing one of the one of the costliest resources, and that's our data center, and uh, making sure that the security on top of that is uh, as as excellent as it possibly can be, and we you know we work at it every day, and uh, it's kind of like that never-ending story. Uh, because, yeah. you know, the, the threats change and, and we have to change with them. But, right. uh, you know, I think that once we come to the understanding that there is value in uh, having that data available uh, within the workflows of the physicians and we can start seeing some additional outcomes, uh, you know, there have been a few studies done and there's a few others that I'm aware of that are underway uh, that will help shine a light on you know, where the value of, and I'm gonna use a health information exchange as a verb and a noun uh, mm-hmm. in this sentence, uh, which sometimes drives me a little crazy. <laughs> crazy, but the value of health information exchange uh, and making sure that data is available. Uh, and you can do that in a variety of ways. Uh, and I think that's the, the other point about interoperability is there's just not one way to do it. You know, one of the things that I presented at the uh, CHIME Fall Forum was you know, trying to educate a little bit uh, on the different variety of frameworks of interoperability. And At the, at the end of the presentation, I was encouraging uh, my friends and peers to, you know, if you don't have an interoperability plan, go home and let's put one together, mm-hmm. uh, because it's just not going to happen in a vacuum, and it's not going to happen naturally. It's, it's going to take some work. To figure that out, and the other thing is, just because the vendors tell you, "Hey, do it this way," doesn't mean that they have your best interest at heart. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to be in control of that. No different than you're in control of. You know, they they say the software, and they're going to make recommendations on, you know, standard implementation approaches. But at the end of the day, you're going to implement the software, which is it's going to fit within the culture and processes of your organization. It may not vary a great deal, but it's going to vary a little bit, the same way with interoperability. Depending upon where you are in the country and what resources you have to bear, there are options uh, depending upon what's going to work best and what's, what's not going to work at all. And you need to understand what those options are and educate yourself or avail yourself of resources that uh, can can help with that expertise.
2: Yeah. Yeah, really good point. So it's just these are discussions that need to happen, but, you know, really important to challenge the vendors and, and just talk about all of these factors when it comes to interoperability.
1: Well, the, the thing about it is, is it's not about just moving the data. It's what are you going to do with it? Is the data going to be used to inform a clinical decision process? And, and in all cases, uh, you, you take a patient that goes to the emergency room because they've, they've broken a bone. Uh, there may not be a reason that physician needs to know a deep clinical history about the patient because they're there Mm -hmm. for an episode of care around that. Now, managing that break may be dependent upon how well it heals. Does the patient have osteoporosis? Do they have diabetes? Do they have a compromised blood flow and all those type of things? Absolutely. But, you know, there are reasons that uh, the the data sh- should be limited, and depending upon what the use case is going to be, what are you going to do with the data once you once it's it's sent? The idea of the CCDA of, from a coordination of care, that's a really great. Uh, idea of moving that information, however, it was such a volume of information in, in many cases, and the EMRs were not able to put that into their systems in a meaningful way and present it to the clinician in a way that made sense, uh, a, lot the, a lot of the data just goes unused because the physician doesn't have time to go hunt for it, right. and it's not, not within their own workflow. Um, and so uh, it's, it's kind of like if you look at the PDMPs, you know, the, the pharmacy databases where the class C narcotics are uh, most states in the union now require the positions to go look at those databases to see uh, if you have someone that's already on an opioid therapy or that kind of stuff. But it requires them to get out of their workflow in many cases unless they've got an integration with the PDMP at the state level that it's right there, uh, but they, uh, in most cases, they can't keep the data, they can only look at it uh, unless they want to do a screen print. So uh, we have to make it easier for the, the clinicians to get and use the information uh, within their workflows. Uh, and the easier we can make it, the more often they're going to use it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that's what all of this comes down to.
1: Yep, absolutely, and I think that's what Kind of defines the value of the information. Is just having it is not the the value of being able to use it and impact the outcomes. The IMAC group of class uh, has been working now for three years trying to figure out how do we measure this thing called interoperability, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're uh, getting better at measuring. Is the information available? Then did you use it? And the Uh, decision-making about the patient's outcome, and then did it have a positive or negative impact upon the patient's outcome? That's really the hardest part to measure, but it's also the very most important. We had a a friend of the exchange uh, call uh, over the weekend. Uh, He was transferred from one facility to another, and because of a request that he had made years ago about not sharing his information, The new facility couldn't see it, and so he asked us to take that off, uh, and we did. And so the new facility was able to see his information, and he said because of that, it it saved his life. Now, I don't know if that is actually true, that it saved his life, but I know that it had a very positive impact of, of his course of treatment and his course of care because now this other facility could see the data from the facility that he was transferred from, which prevented them from repeating a bunch of diagnostic tests and sped up his his care. Right. I mean, one one of the things I worked on, you know, I'm an X-ray tech by original training uh, that many decades ago. One of the things I worked on in Southern Indiana was the fact is, you know, we were not a trauma center, so we had. We had to transfer out patients to the trauma center in Evansville, or they would go to St. Louis, or they go to Louisville, depending upon how many we had to send. And one of the things that always bugged me was you've got a patient that's going out to get on a helicopter, uh, and their all their their X-rays are laying on their gurney with them. <laughs> and, and so, and and so the the physician or the orthopedic surgeon or the trauma surgeon doesn't have benefit other than a conversation of seeing those films until the patient arrives.
2: Right. And
1: so it kind of delays the treatment because if you've got someone with a crushed pelvis or a badly broken bone, that orthopedic surgeon is gonna to have to do some studying about you know what pins and plates and things that need to put the geometry of that bone or that pelvis back together again. And so one of the things I started working on is let's, let's come up with, because everybody was getting packs at that point in time, let's figure out a way of sharing that, those images. And so they can arrive a long time before the patient did. And so when the patient arrived, they could take them right to surgery rather than having to wait for the films and look at the templates and figure all this stuff out. Let's use the the technology. And I think that we were successful in some cases, but not always. And We can do the same thing now with data, where the patient can be transferred and and the information can be waiting on the patient or be in the hands of the care team before the patient even arrives, which will have a great impact upon the patient you know, if they're having a heart attack or they're having a stroke and all those things where, you know, you've got that golden amount of time that is required. Uh, and so those are the outcome things that we need to, to think about. So yeah. for me, this thing of data and interoperability can be used for a variety of things around the actual care of the patient, but also looking at how care is provided a- across a population or a community.
2: Yeah, when you think about those days, and uh, which I'm sure I don't seem that long ago, but you know having the films <laughs> sitting there by the patient and, and how far we've come, I think it's all of our instinct to focus on uh, what we still need to do, but it's important too, to look at how far the industry has
1: come. I'll tell you, my, I go back to where we actually have developed X-ray film in, in chemicals by hand. And so that you know, we truly have come a very, very long way in the you know forty six years that I've been in healthcare. So uh, it's it's kind of amazing that of what we've been able to accomplish. And so if you if you look at this thing called interoperability in and in compare it to things that are similar to interoperability like banking, railroads, uh, telephone systems, cell phone networks, uh, ATMs, We've only been working at this for a very, very short period of time, and it's probably one of the most complex things of all those things that I mentioned. And we just haven't aligned the incentives correctly mm-hmm. in order to get things you know, moving in the right direction. Not to say they're not moving, they are, but we're trying to legislate the how rather than the what. And so mm-hmm. I think that rather than telling everybody how to build the bridge, they just need to say, okay, here's a bridge. Oh, And if it's in Indiana, you build it in the way that works best for the folks in Indiana. If you're in Wyoming, let's build a bridge which works best for the people in Wyoming. And then we're going to run cars across both of them. And so that's where the standards come in.
2: It makes sense. Everything that, that you're saying makes sense. And um, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we weren't always trying to do better and then push things forward. But at the same time, I mean, the, the amount of, of uh, progress that's gone on in the last even five, ten years is really is really pretty amazing.
1: Yep, absolutely. And it's just going to get better because uh, the technology is going to get better and uh, the people are going to get smarter about how to use it.
2: Yeah, you was hoping.
1: <laughs> yep, yep.
2: All right. Okay, well I can I can always talk to you longer, but um, I think that, that this has really been great we've uh, we've covered a lot and uh, as always, really appreciate your time and your perspective on these really important issues.:
1: Well, great I, I appreciate the opportunity to to pontificate and bend your ear a little bit and hopefully some of the information I had to share is uh, is worthwhile.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much and uh, you uh in March, I guess
1: <laughs> absolutely sounds good. thanks very much.
0: All right, thank you, Tech.